Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are talking about, we are actually on the major, on, on the bigger subject of the realities of redemption. And I started talking yesterday about ministering to the suffering, ministering to people who are in, in very, in very bad shape or have suffered for a long time. But before we do that, let me get to, uh, yet, you know, I'm, I'm sharing a testimony, a little story with you every night, every day. So, I'm going to share another story with you right now. And this is from Rosario, Argentina. Uh, I was doing a crusade there. And one day uh, at the hotel, the reception called me. They said, there's a man who wants to see you. So I went down to the reception. There was a gentleman there, uh, a man in his, I think he was about maybe 45 years old. And he was crying. My heart broke. He was a big, burly, strong guy, but he was weeping like a child. And... Um, uh, he spoke only Spanish and, and my Spanish was poquito, so I didn't really understand what he was saying. So uh, I, I asked the interpreter, I mean the receptionist, and the reception told me that he says that his daughter is demon-possessed. And he's, uh, she was their only child, and he says that uh, that uh, girl, she was 17 years old, I remember, and the mother was six. She was the only child, loved her parents. So... Her mother had been to many doctors, nothing had helped. So she had gone to a curandero. Curandero is like a local witch doctor type of thing. And uh, when she came back home, she was demon possessed. I mean, she went to this psychic healer. And when she came back, she was demonized. And then the father said, now for the last 10 days, she hasn't slept. She screams day and night. She's gone completely crazy. My wife and I haven't slept and we don't know what to do. And I said, just bring her to the crusade. I said, just bring her. So anyway, so that night there were maybe, I don't know, tens, thousands of people in the place. The field was full. And I saw this young girl, pretty young girl standing in the, seven, uh, in the front. And I could, and I somehow knew this is her. She was 17 years old and this is her. So she stood there with her arms crossed right in the front, glaring at me. It was an open air meeting. So when I did the altar call and for people to receive Jesus, she began to scream. She went berserk, fell on the floor, and her ushers carried her to the deliverance tent. So, and uh, where, you know, they tried to cast the devil out of her. She was totally wild. And after the service, I went there and she was wild. I mean, she was wild and she was spitting, cursing. She was out of her mind and I couldn't uh, do much. I ministered to her. I couldn't do much. Anyway, the next day was Sunday morning. So I was in one of the local churches and we hadn't announced which church I'd been because there's 40 churches participating in the meeting and we didn't want to create a problem uh, with everyone coming to that church. So I went there. Now, when I got up to preach, I saw her in the front. She was right there. Well, she was not in the front. She was sitting in the fifth or sixth row with her parents. And every five minutes, she'd get up and run out and they would run after her, drag her back. And she'd be out again, drag her back. And then when I gave the invitation, she, that's when she came to the front. And she came to the front and she stood there with her parents. And I began to pray. And as I began to pray over the crowd, I tell you, the power of God came over the crowd. And she fell over on the ground. Now, nobody else fell, just she. And I was watching her because she was on the floor now. And I have seen this only twice in my entire life. But as I was watching her face, watching her, 
her face began to glow with the glory of God. And I tell you, it was like looking at a light bulb. She was emanating this light. And I was, I had seen it only once before in Poland, in the city of Lublin. This was the second time I was seeing it and I've never seen it ever since. Her face was emanating light. And this went on a long time. And then the light faded and subsided and she stood up smiling and she was perfectly normal, completely whole. Jesus had set her free. And um, I kept in touch with her and um, with her mother, with her. And I met her the last I met her. Uh, she was 17 then. The last I met her, she was 40 something or something like that. I don't know, 50, something like that. Anyway, she was married. She was a top-notch attorney, a lawyer, a lawyer, and she had two children, had a family. It was wonderful. That's what Jesus can do. And the Bible says, he gives me beautiful ash, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of the garment of mourning. God changes lives. He restores people. If you seek the Lord, you will see how he restores people. God is in the restoration business. Amen. So now we were talking about ministering to the suffering and what I said, what I had said last was that we have to minister to the sick with utmost gentleness and tenderness and love. And uh, in the last scripture I shared, a bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. Because you see, a lot of people, some people have suffered so much over such a long time and they have done everything they can to get healed and many have really given up. Their people have given up. And so meet those people with mercy and kindness and don't be, you don't have to be hasty to pray with them. Especially if you're living in the same town, in the same area, you don't have to be hasty. You're not in a rush, but uh, take time to talk to them, listen to them, win their heart first. Because if you can win someone's heart and win their confidence, that is, Half the victory is won already there. You, if you win people's hearts, win their confidence, it becomes very easy to minister to them because then they will listen to what you have to say. So meet them with mercy and kindness. Don't be in a hasty. Just don't go and say, okay, I'll lay hands on you and then you leave. No, you take time with them because they have suffered a long time. Okay, so this is what you do. First, know people where, people, where they stand in faith. Some people... They have very little faith and some people have almost no faith at all. When I mean, people have suffered a long time, that's the rule of the sum. It's an exception that you see somebody who has suffered a long time and it's very, you know, still very expectant. There are people like that, but mostly people are weak in their faith. So first find out where they stand and then you meet them at their level. Because if they're here and you're preaching up here, you are not getting through. Come down to their level. That's what Jesus does. He comes to people's level. Look where he how he saved you and me. He came down to our level and reached down and lifted us up. He didn't just speak from there because if he was speaking from there, I wouldn't hear him. But where I was, he came to where I was and he reached me and he lifted me up from there. So go to where people are at and start from there. Understand them. Secondly, help them see that Jesus is their healer. Tell them how much Jesus loves them. Tell them how much he cares for them so that they begin to understand 
how much God wants to heal them. Because you see, many people are in condemnation because they are fixated with their failure to receive a healing. That's what they think. They said, oh, I've done, I prayed, they prayed for me so many times. So many great men of God have laid hands on me. Nothing has happened. What's wrong with me? I must have done something. And then they'll, the devil will remind them of something they did in their youth. And they have repented of that. Ask God forgiveness a hundred times. But they'll feel, well, maybe God didn't receive my, my, my plea for forgiveness. Maybe he holds something against me. Then suddenly God gets involved. And not only... God gets involved, but he's the bad guy because he's the one who's unforgiving. So people, you know, sit with condemnation in their hearts. They condemn themselves because they have failed to receive a healing and they don't understand why. So that's why uh, your and my job is to get alongside them and love them and, and help them see Jesus, help them understand that Jesus loves them. Show them the word of God, what the word of God says about the love of Jesus. There are many, many scriptures that tells us how much Jesus loves us. He says that he says, as, as, you know, as a father pities his children, uh, you know, so, so, so does the Lord have compassion on us. Uh, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our, uh, uh, our transgressions from us. That's Psalm 103. And it tells us that, that God loves us in the same way that a father has compassion on his children. So... We tell them that and understand that if you think it is your sins that are holding away, God has already put your sins on Jesus and he has removed them from the east to the west. So help them understand the love that God has for them. So help them see Christ the healer and get them off their fixation uh, with their failure to receive a healing because that's how they perceive it. If they didn't get healed, they think they're failures, that everybody is a success because suddenly it becomes, instead of God's grace, it becomes their responsibility to receive the healing. And if they don't, didn't receive the healing, it's their fault. They are less than others and they're con condemned about that. So help people get past that. Thirdly, help them get to a place of hope, then to faith. Now, what I mean is that many people are at a place where they have no hope. They really have no hope. And that's the Bible tells us the people in the world are like that. They are without God and without hope. But do you know there are people who are with God and they're still without hope because, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, uh, the, 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 there was a minister who was severely injured and I went to see him and I hadn't seen him since before he was severely injured and hospitalized. He came up and, and, and he says, he said, I know God can heal me, but I don't think he will. Now, I don't know what made him say that. But, 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 but it's sad because, you know, he had hope in other areas, but that in that area, he had no hope. He, he didn't really expect that God could touch him. Of course, God can do anything. But when you are in a place where you say, you know, I don't think God will do this for me. Uh, well, for whatever reason, you, you, you know, there's no hope. So uh, some, man, there are many people who have no hope. So you have to bring them to a place of hope. Now, a place of hope is where... Uh, they begin to see that Jesus is there and he is a healer and he is a miracle worker and he gives us hope. And But the thing is that hope uh, looks at the miracle and the miracle is in the future. You know, they say it'll happen tomorrow. Then there's an old saying that says, an old adage that says tomorrow never comes because it's in tomorrow. And by the time you're in tomorrow, tomorrow moves into day after tomorrow and it keeps on moving forward. But that's the thing with hope. But 
The good thing about hope is that hope is better than no hope. At least the person who has hope sees something, even if it is in the future, even if it is not within his grasp, at least he sees some light at the end of the tunnel because there are some people who don't see any light at all. The tunnel is absolutely dark. So you have to bring them from the dark tunnel into the place there is, there is hope at the light of the tunnel. Now, then from hope, you have to bring them to a place of faith. And here's the difference. You see, hope looks at things, but it is always in the future. Faith takes the things that one hopes for and takes a hold of them now and brings them to the presence and present and says, it is mine, I possess it. That's the difference. Hope says, I know I will be healed. I know God can heal me. I know he will heal me. I just know that I'm going to be healed. I don't know when, but I know it's going to be, I'm going to be healed. Because, but that's hope. It's in the future. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith actually gives substance. Substance is something you can grasp. Faith gives substance to the things that exist in the realm of hope. And it is the evidence of things not seen. So faith looks at the things that exist in the realm of hope and it reaches into the realm of hope and takes a hold of it and says that this belongs to me because Jesus purchased it for me with his blood at Calvary and he says that it is mine so I take a hold of it and I possess it now and that's why faith always uses the language of the past tense or the present tense. Hope says I will be healed but faith says, by his stripes, I was healed. Uh, but faith, uh, or by I was healed, or I am healed. Hope looks at the future. Faith looks at the cross that is in the past. And it looks at the present. And the present is based on the future. So faith, hope says, I know I'll be healed because God can heal me. But faith says, I know that I have been healed because Jesus has borne my disease. So what it is, is that faith reaches into the realm of hope in the future and takes a hold of the things that you're hoping for and brings it into the present and takes possession of it by faith. And what is it that gives you the right to claim that you have something that you don't really physically possess? It's the word of God. It's the blood of Jesus. If Jesus purchased it with his blood, if God says it is yours, then it is yours. And that is what faith is. So take them to a place of hope where they at least begin to see, you know what? God is going to heal me. I'm not hopeless. I know God is going to do it. He's going to come through for me. And then from there, you take them to a place of faith where they can say, you know what? It's not just that God is going to heal me, but I look back at Jesus because 2000 years ago, we actually bore this condition and the, by his stripes, the wounds on his back, I have been healed. Thank you, Jesus, that healing belongs to me. I take a hold of it now. I thank you that I'm healed. So bring people from a place of hopelessness to a place of hope, to a place of faith. Hallelujah. That's what you do. Now, uh, then, uh, then you give them the word. That's number four. Give them the word and teach them. Give them the word and teach them. I'm going to give you a little example. We have friends right now 
who lived, uh, uh, you know, a few hours away from here. They used to be in our church and they were taught the word. They knew the word. They were right, fanatics, knew the word. And we kept in touch with them after they moved and uh, hadn't heard from them for a few years. And now uh, she called us, uh, asked for prayer because he was in hospital. He was uh, in, in a critical condition and they didn't know whether he would make it or not. But, you know, we, we prayed with her and uh, we, we prayed with this lady and, you know, it kicked in. You know what she did? The next day she told us she sat in her car in the parking lot of the hospital all night long, speaking the word of God over her husband, declaring that he has been healed. Although they said, we don't know whether he'll make it, he'll make it. But she sat in the car, declaring that he is healed by the stripes of Jesus, declaring. And then um, we got a message today that he woke up and when he woke up, uh, he began to speak. I mean, he began to speak and he began to declare by the stripes of Jesus, I am being healed. And they said, you're going to get better. He said, no, I'm not going to get better. I'm okay. I am strong. Jesus is my healer. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. So he came out of that, that, uh, I don't know whether it was, it was like an unconscious situation. He came out of his speaking the word of God, speaking his faith and that he has been healed by the stripes of Jesus. And as I speak, he's in hospital right now speaking the word of God. And that is because he has been taught faith. And he, 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 I mean, he has always been a man of faith. He and his wife speak in the word, speak in the word. And these things kick in. And so we have to help people with these things. If they're in a place of hopelessness, bring them to a place of faith and then bring, bring them to a place of hope. And then, then the next thing, give them the word and teach them. Give them the word, give them the word, give them the word, give them the word, give them the word. Don't give them your ideas or what you think or what so-and-so has said. No, give them the word, give them the word. In fact, I want people to get the word to the point that if uh, people are in hospital, you know, very sick, what we do, I get them a CD of uh, Brother Hagen, you know, uh, reading the healing scriptures, reading healing scriptures. And I, I tell the family, just play this thing, play this CD, play this CD with the, there's music in the background and the word being spoken because the word is therapeutic word. The word of God is healing. He sent forth his word and he healed them. Give people the word, give people the word, read the scriptures to them, give them the word. Okay. Then teach them. That's number five. Believing is seeing and not seeing is believing. Teach them to believe that you have it and you shall have it and not wait to see something, but believe that you have it. Believe that you have it and you'll have it. And the next thing, don't condemn them, but encourage them. If, if you see they're not making much progress, it's okay. Just build them up, encourage them, say you're doing okay, you'll do well and just keep on encouraging. I've had to do that many times and, and they have come through because people need encouragement. The Bible tells us how we should encourage each other. You know, we are talking about sick people, but even people who are healthy need encouragement. So the Bible tells us we must encourage one another, encourage people, amen. And then cover them with intercession and bind Satan. Take authority over the devil and cover people with intercession. Amen. And pray for them. Stand in the gap for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. And bind Satan. And sometimes what happens, this is what happens many times, not in every case, many times, Satan kind of clouds their mind. 
And so you should pray in the name of Jesus. Satan, you take your hand over their minds. I command all this confusion to be gone in the name of Jesus. Father, let your light, the light of your word shine through and do that so they get, so that they get light and understanding in their minds. Cover them within. Now, then in point number eight, sometimes you have to take things step by step. For example, uh, if you're ministering to a family that has a child that is deformed, a child that is deformed. So what do you do? Uh, a child. Now, I have seen a few cases, uh, and I'll tell you some stories. Like I remember this case in Py in Poland. There was this child, I think about nine years old or so, little girl. She was uh, her jaw was askew, brain was damaged. Her, uh, I don't know if she saw anything, but her eyes were crossed, and she was. Uh, in a fetal position, mother carried her on, all her bones, everything was twisted like this. And, you know, she was drooling. I mean, just brain damage. And, and, and the mother was holding her and the power of God touched that girl. And her bones began to crack and her fingers and legs and arms straightened out. Her eyes straightened out, her jaw was straightened and her tongue snapped back and she stood up and she began to walk. And uh, I saw God do that. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody touched her. Her mother just put the child on the ground. And my team from Sweden, had 27 people, they watched this happen before their eyes. And the thing is that I've seen that happen, but I wish I would see that happen every day. And uh, I don't understand why it doesn't happen like that every day. But I have seen it happen. I've seen uh, another time I was in the Ukraine, there was a little boy and his, his feet were like this. I mean, just pointing straight down. He had never stood nor walked. He was almost completely blind. His eyes were crossed and couldn't speak, couldn't hear. And in an instant, God healed him. His feet straightened out. He stood up and he began to hear, began to speak and began to see. I mean, God did that. And we serve a mighty God. He can do those things. I know he can do those things. But when you stand before a parent with a child and so what do you do what do you do if that instant uh, spectacular thing doesn't happen uh, what you do is it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to heal that child it does not mean that it does not there's a lot of things we don't have the answer to why sometimes God does an instant miracle why sometimes it takes time we will never know the answer to that but if that does not happen, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that person. Because if you remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree, uh, it took 24 hours from the time Jesus cursed the fig tree for the fig tree to actually dry, the, to dry up. And that's when Peter was, you know, shouting and praising God. He said, look, master, the tree has dried up. So it took 24 hours now. And that was Jesus speaking the word. Why didn't the tree shrivel up at the moment Jesus spoke to it? Because when Jesus spoke to it, it still looked the same. But it took 24 hours for the tree to shrivel up. Why? We don't know. This Bible doesn't tell us. But what the Bible does tell us, that when we pray in the name of Jesus, God always hears. That assurance we have, that the Father always hears. And we have that assurance that Jesus Christ is always a healer. So, but what we have to do in situations like that, we have to work with God. And so what you do in, in the case of a deformed child, a child who has 
many deformities and handicaps in his body. You take it step by step because the doctors will normally say, well, this child will never walk, he will never speak, he will never do this, this. And the parents, you tell the parents to make a list of those things and start believing God for one improvement at a time. And say, Father, we are believing God for this improvement that my child will begin to uh, begin to understand or begin to hear or begin to speak or begin to see. You know, you take one thing at a time and sometimes it takes time. But you know what? We walk with it. We walk with those people because for a parent who sees that child every day, it can be difficult for them to stand in faith alone for that thing. And that's where we comes in. The body of Christ comes in and we ministers of the gospel, we come in, we come alongside them and we believe God with them. If you see what I mean, we have to believe God with people and encourage them and say, okay, now let's do this for your child, your daughter or your son. Let's believe God for one improvement at a time. And let's beat the odds that the doctor has said, let's see that God will do this. And so you take one thing at a time, believe God one thing at a time. And I have seen that. I remember way back in Sweden, there was this family who were friends of mine. They had a daughter and she had all kinds of problems with her. She had a hole in her heart. Her lips were blue and she wouldn't live beyond so many years. And she had all these problems and she couldn't stand. Her feet were deformed and, uh, and they sat under the word. And you know what happened? We believe God and took her shoe things off and she, uh, she began to walk and, uh, uh, and and then now, oh, you know, now she's like 45 years old. She's healthy. She's doing well. That's the kind of God we serve. And they hadn't said she would survive. That hole in her heart was healed, you know. But the parents, we all together, not just the parents, but the friends, the family, we all had to stand together for the child and believe God and pray. And, and God did it. It took years, but it is worth it all. Doesn't matter how long it takes, but it is worth it to believe God and to stand because the only alternative is to throw up our hands and say, well, God isn't going to do it. This is the way it's going to be. That's exactly what the devil wants us to believe and we shouldn't be there. We should be there. It says we are not of them that would draw back unto perdition, but we are those who believe and so win our souls. A believer is always a winner. Hallelujah. So believe God, especially when children, people come, parents come with their children and you see the heartache on their faces. You see the tears in their eyes. Beloved, come alongside them and say, listen, I'm going to believe God with you for this. I'm going to stand with you. Let us stand together for your son, for your daughter. And let's believe God and speak the word of God over that child and pray over that child. And you'll see what the Lord is able to do. Hallelujah. That is the purpose of faith. And uh, even when things happen in a flash instantly and when they don't, but one thing doesn't change, you know, that Jesus is still the same. That doesn't change. The word of God is still the same. That doesn't change. That God's arm is still mighty to save. That doesn't change. God's healing power is still there. That doesn't change. So we, we take a hold of the unchanging truths about, about our unchanging Savior and our unchanging God. And we stand with them and we speak the word. And we believe God for one improvement after the other. And we will see the glory of God. Amen.
So let us be men and women of faith who, who stand with our brothers and sisters, who, who suffer, whose children are suffering, and we stand with them in the name of Jesus, and we are going to win. Praise God. I hope you learned something today, and we will continue tomorrow. But let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching this in the name of Jesus. I pray that you use my words and the word of, your, of, of the living God, Father, to impart faith in their hearts. Father, if there's anyone out there who can hear me, uh, who, has, uh, who have any kind of long-term deformity or infirmity, or they have a child who is born that way, I thank you that you are good and kind and merciful, and that your promises still stand true, even for that child, Father. And Father, we all stand in the gap and we thank you for what you have provided for us upon the cross of Calvary, for the life, the health, the healing, and the promises of long life that you have offered us. We take a hold of it, Father, and we stand, we stand for your word and for the work of your Holy Spirit in the lives of our brothers and sisters, their families, their children, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you and we'll see you tomorrow.